0: Take up your Bibles with me, if you would, please, this morning, turning them again to our ongoing study in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, I'm going to begin reading a few verses before the two I will treat today, as this is our context to hold us steadily to. Begin reading in verse 20. Inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become surety of a better covenant. And there were many priests, because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he ever lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men, who have weakness but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever would you bow and pray with me this morning lord god hear us this new year bless your people that we might grow in this book we have heard an admonishment to those Hebrews of old, by now you should be teachers, but have need to be taught the first things of Christ again. Lord, we would pray that that would never come upon us. So keep us diligent, Lord, we pray as true disciples, learners after the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach us your way, your will, And let us follow what you have for us in this age of the new covenant. Bless us, Lord, in this endeavor, for we are weak and often are not diligent in our work. But pull us back even today, set our feet on a new year path to pursue you and the knowledge of the Holy One. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes the church calendar is filled with some obligatory types of observances. Certainly New Year's Day is one of them. I hope you are expecting a New Year's Day message because this is it. I don't say that in any way that I've contrived it to be, but I think that it is fitting that we are where we are in the text on the first day of the year. Many Christians are trying to find where they fit. Where do I fit? Let's just say it this way. All people are looking for where they fit. Those of us who have a few more miles on us than others realize that there's been some times in our life when we have had some monumental moments. Moments, if you would say, of profound discovery about ourselves as to where we fit, where we fit in. There's some aha moments as we grow up and we start to distinguish ourselves as individuals from our family or perhaps within our family. And we say all of a sudden, this is me. This is me. It happens in various ways along the way, doesn't it? Sometimes it almost seems suddenly. I remember even the moment of my life when I said, This is my music. Don't even come up afterwards and say, Pastor, what is your music? I I retain plausible deniability. But I remember, this is my music. Rather distinct from my father's, from the old country, Where they listen to polka music, and if not polka music, then marching band music. I needed my own music. Then sometimes as you grow, and some of you girls maybe find it before us boys do, you say, this is my style. This is me and even sometimes have the liberty to change your style over the years you'll notice us guys get kind of stuck in the rut and that's just it particularly as concerns our hair but that's another sermon and sometimes you find this is my sport of all the sports that are out there that I can do this this is me i fit in this 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 one's mine in scholastics, sometimes you're studying along and you're looking at these things and all of a sudden you realize that you're in your lane. This is me. That I get this. I can do this. I understand this. This is me. This is where I fit. It can apply to many other areas of of life, science, etc., entertainment, you name it. But basically it boils down to this. I can do this. This is where I belong. I think for many of us, we're looking for where we belong even as Christians. Where do I fit in? And am I fitting in as God intends me to fit in? Well, this morning on the first day of the year, 2023, I pray all of you will make a fitting discovery. A fitting discovery for the new year, not just for the new year 2023, for your new birth that you are living. A fitting discovery, not just for the new year and for your new birth, but for the new covenant that you are following. A fitting discovery, how you fit in. And it's all based upon an understanding of who this great high priest is that is being presented to us in the book of Hebrews. Then our text, we've seen the brilliance of the rhetoric that the writer has been using in the Greek style, the logical assertions, the premises, the proofs, the layer upon layer of building understanding as we have studied along And it will be necessary for me at times to take a step back and remind us of the context that we have come through so that we don't miss the enormity of what's being built in the present. So I begin by doing that by reminding you of two special words that we're going to look at this Sunday and next. Fitting and perfected. Fitting and perfected. We will find that they've been coming very closely placed together within this text and the understanding is being built the knowledge of Christ is being gained and the presentation of the high priesthood of Jesus is being filled out fitting in is all about being part isn't it being part of something in reality none of us really wants to be such an individual that we stand out all by ourselves that's a rare bird indeed rather we're joining something and this morning i want to bring you into the right group to join with the right leader one that's fitting for you as a christian a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have read about an oath. Verse 20, Inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath. Without an oath. The oath of God appointed a fitting high priest and a perfected high priest. That is what's being presented to us in verse 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us. Such a high priest was fitting for us. And then we will find, as we read on to the very end of verse 28, that this oath appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Fitting, perfected. What is fitting? It's not a word we use outside of the department store dressing room too often anymore, do we? If any of you guys have ever even been in one of those. (laughs) Does it fit? Does it belong on you or should I leave it in the store before I pay? Fitting is way more than that. It is in society, it is in the realm of morality, it is in the realm of religion, what is seemly. Uh, Sorry, Pastor Fred, you're not helping too much yet. Can you move along? Okay, I will. To what is becoming. More specifically, since we're in the Greek, being written by a master of Greek, it is something that is used throughout the Iliad. And for Greeks, the Iliad and the Odyssey, huge. how they understand their own language at this time. I have no idea where the socialist Greeks are understanding anything right now. But then, what was fitting was that which is conspicuous, meaning that which stands out from among all normalcy, head and shoulders above the rest, and is worthy of recognition, not just by their peers, but by their gods. In this case, by God himself, the one true God, separate from the panoply of the Greeks, the one and only God. It is here written that this one's fitting, that he is Eminent, and he stands out beyond all others and is pleasing to God, and he fits the role for which he has been placed into, this role of high priest, by God's very oath. Because along the way he has been perfected. Perfected meaning to be made complete or mature. Also, to completely fulfill something. Sometimes when we read perfected about the person of Jesus Christ, it can be a stumbling block because we may be thinking of his deity and trying to protect it that we do not let his humanity be spoken of the way it is being done in Hebrews. There is a process involved with this, not perfected in his deity, but a process is in view of coming to a complete state of fulfillment through the normal human processes. For Christ, growing up into the role of high priest, if that's hard for you, read Hebrews lots and lots and lots. It's used lots and lots and lots in Hebrews. We're in the process of trying to fit in, right? But to fit in, to fit into God, to fit into God's church, Christ's church, finding the high priest that fits us is an essential for new covenant people. I take you back just for a brief review of Hebrews 2, chapter 10, where we find or Hebrews 2, verse 10, excuse me, where we find these two words again. Where we studied them in the first place. Hebrews 2, 10, And I read, for, it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the, captain of their salvation, perfect through suffering. So there is a process going on in the life of Jesus the Christ who came as a man, though he be deity, he laid aside the voluntary use of all his divine attributes and he walked as a man. And in doing so, It was fitting for him, God, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons, now you see the term of family, to glory. Not just one son to glory, many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation. How do they come to glory? Via salvation and through a captain. A captain. The Greek term here is one who leads as even he who stands before his troop as a prince, who leads them into battle, who is the first to go into the fray. This is the description of Jesus in salvation. He made perfect through sufferings. What he did as a human, he must do as a human to even suffer, for God does not suffer. He suffered as a man, and it was fitting for him to do so as the primary leader in salvation. Now we bring ourselves back to chapter 7, verse 26, and verse, through verse 28, where we have the two words for us again. Look at verse 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who was, who is holy, harmless, undefiled separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Now look at verse 28. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness but the word of the oath the oath of God which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Let me just say this again. There is no path to glory for Jesus or for any sons of God apart from suffering. It is the plan of God. It is the plan of God. We didn't read all that perhaps we should. In chapter 2 of Hebrews, We read verse 10. Now let's go back and read verse 9. Verse 9, chapter 2 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels in his humanity for the suffering of death. He was made to suffer unto death, now crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God, listen, might taste death for everyone. That he might taste death for everyone. The suffering. It was fitting for him to bring many sons to glory through this death, through this suffering, and to be their captain, to lead them unto glory. There's no glory apart from suffering. How are we really to understand fitting and perfected as they relate to the person of Jesus? How does this fit? Let me help you in three different ways. First, Jesus as a man, as human, is subject. Is the subject from this High priestly context. That's what it's taken from. A high priesthood whose office, role, and ministry, listen to me, a high priesthood whose office, role, and ministry required a man in that position. To be a high priest for men, you must be a man. Why? Why does it require a man? For this reason, you can even write it down. For he, the high priest, must and does minister, listen, as a man on behalf of men. To minister for them, to bring them before God, to stand in the place, he must be a man to represent them rightly, understandably, fittingly. Jesus fits the requirement, thirdly, of the office and role of high priest only because he is a man. Are we finding the right high priest for our walk? Do you understand he is a man? Please don't become tripped up that I'm denying deity. I am not. I am preaching the humanity that is in the text, and in the text paralleled precisely with deity. See, the Levitical priests were the proverbial round peg in the square hole. Now, those of us who have a modicum, a small ability even of mechanics, I think can understand this example. In the old days, people who were morally right were called squares. Even when I was picking my own music, Casey and the Sunshine Band had a song. It's hip to be square. Ha! Okay, I almost got sucked in. To be a square. To fit into the morals of society, the requirements and the statutes that are there, it's hip to be square. The problem with all other men is that there are no true squares, are there? For when God gave a law, he gave a law that no man could fit into. The round pegs were being driven into square holes and these high priests that were raised up were round pegs being driven into God's perfectly square and holy parameters. And they didn't fit. Whereas Jesus is the square peg that fits in the square hole for in his humanity was indeed perfect morality perfect law-keeping, perfect obedience. I think many Christians are trying to live their Christian life without a fitting high priest, without a priest that fits the parameters that God required for them and are trying like the priests of the levites and the mosaic law to fit themselves perfectly into god's square and are feeling the effects of their failure fittingly god brought jesus christ from childhood to adulthood, to a complete state wherein he fittingly fulfills the requirements of the office of high priest. Let me give you an example of the proper understanding of fitting outside of Christ, but inside the church as regards the word of God and sound doctrine. Paul to Titus uses this word fitting. In Titus chapter 2, in verse 2 he says, but as for you, meaning Titus, so Paul to Titus, as for you, speak those things which are, in my translation, proper for sound doctrine. It's our same word. Speak those things which are fitting for sound doctrine." So whatever you do when you speak, whatever you say when you verbalize, make sure it fits. The truth that you proclaim, the doctrines that God has laid down and don't speak outside them or over them or less than them, make sure it fits. But in the life of Christ, I want to bring us there and help us to understand this ministry of Jesus as Amen. Sometimes we read our Bibles and we hit these places where we're not sure why that had to happen. And one of those places is where Jesus Christ came to the baptism of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Christ. He was proclaiming, make straight the way of the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he made his ministry center, the middle of the wilderness where no one voluntarily wanted to go. You had to really want to go to repent of your sins and be baptized for the remission of sins, proclaiming, if you will, I am turning from myself and my sin and turning to follow God in preparation for the coming of the king. It is an acknowledgement that they were sinners and needed to remove the impediments in their lives from seeing the coming King. And Jesus comes up to John the Baptist one day and he says to John the Baptist, I want you to baptize me. And John is undone. He doesn't know how to handle it. He says, Lord, I have need to be baptized by you. I am the sinner. You are the pure one. You are the square. I'm the one who doesn't fit. I can't do this. But Jesus says this to John and uses our word that we're centering on this morning, fitting. But Jesus answered and said to John the Baptist, said to him, in Matthew 3, 15, permit it to be so for now. For thus it is fitting. For thus it is fitting. Why? He's God. He never sinned. He's perfect. Thus it is fitting, listen, to fulfill All righteousness. And so John the Baptist allowed him. You see, everything that the law demanded, Jesus did. Everything that was placed upon him by the law of God, walking as a man born under the law and in the law, he represented the law perfectly all through his life. So he becomes the one, the prototypical human being that can live the standards of God that for everyone else in the world are unattainable. And though he need not attain them to prove to God his perfection, he did them in his humanity because it was appropriate to fulfill the roles that he must both as a sacrifice and as a king and, thirdly, as a great high priest. And without complete fulfillment, he doesn't fit the roles. God established the high priesthood of Christ Jesus by an oath. We've been looking at the four outcomes of the oath of God, two that were creative two creations of the oath that we studied already and two appointments of the same oath that indelibly have established Christ's position as high priest of the Hebrews and of all those who believe of the world. We saw first that God's oath created a surety of a better covenant Verse 22 of chapter 7 of Hebrews. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. There's a new covenant. There's a new high priest that goes with that covenant. We're reminded of chapter 7, verse 12. For the priesthood being changed. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. And we saw that there was an annulling in verse 18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Listen now, for the law made nothing perfect. The law made nothing complete. On the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. A better covenant with a better high priest wherein you can draw near to God, nearer than we've ever drawn before, because God establishes priesthood with an oath. And it's an unchangeable priesthood. God created an unchangeable priesthood. Verse 23, we read of chapter 7, and there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. That's an end-all statement. Here's a priest. He's going to live this long. He dies. His ministry ends, and he's no longer any good for you. But this priest, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. The ministry of Jesus goes on and on and is not limited by life nor by death. We're reminded of 7. Chapter 7, verse 11. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not according to the order of Aaron? Because they were weak and they died and the law was weak and incomplete it brought no one to completion it brought no one near where do you fit in christian there's a real real question out here where do you want to fit in what's your lane what's your group Okay, who's in your posse? That's as hip as I get. Who do you identify with that if we all made jackets, this would be on the jacket? We're all going to identify here. For in reality, that's what church is, is an identity. Where do we, and how do we, and who do we identify with? Well, God's oath now gives us two appointments. The first is it appoints a fitting high priest. Jesus was appointed to his priestly position by God. The Levitical priests came in by genetics, by family line. Jesus by the oath of God. And we need him. I think this is a neglected area of teaching in the church of Jesus Christ. The need to acknowledge and identify yourself with your great high priest as a necessity in your approach of your drawing near to God. Some of you might even be saying, "Well, I keep trying, I keep doing, I keep working. I want to be there, and I seem like I get close, and I fall away, and I and I, I and I just feel like such a failure that I just quit trying to draw near." Can I have an amen? It's because you're going without the priest. You can't draw near on your own. See, so that's the big problem with pride in Christianity. It's so easy to teach an error with pride in it because we naturally glob onto it because we want to be the special one. Well, I found the way to Jesus. (laughs) Sorry about you guys. This is my jacket, and you're not in. And too often, churches are run that way like it were a club and not a group of sons, not a family. You see, clubs, you can hold out who you don't want. You can be exclusive. Sorry, not you. But of course, you. You can be in our club if, rather than, here's who God gave us as a church. Get used to it. Love them. I put them in. They came with the high priest. Let's get on to that. We need this high priest. And we need one that is fitting and he fits. There's only one that fits this role that is described here in our text. The qualifications are enormous. See, fittingly, this high priest became higher than the heavens. And I use this Generically, because our text does as well. Notice again, verse 26, for such a high priest. What would you expect there? Such? Did you expect such? I didn't expect such. I expect Jesus to be named there, didn't you? For this high priest, or Jesus the high priest, or my son of the order of Melchizedek. But it's, no, it says for this such priest. This one that's this kind. So there's a call here for us to evaluate Jesus Christ ourselves to see if he fits this description without being led there by name. And you will find only Jesus fits. Here's the description. Five parts. For such a high priest, Was fitting for us, listen, who is holy? Well, right there, you know, you can pretty much get rid of the rest. But this was really interesting to me. It was it was almost a lap, a lap lapse in my study. Because when I was looking through these and I and I saw the word holy, when I was doing my word search studies and those kind of things, I didn't think of looking it up. Well, it's holy. I thought I knew exactly which holy it was. And I was absolutely wrong. And it's only been in the process of time that I happened by happenstance to look at the word in the Greek and say, What's that word? I don't know it. I've never seen it used before. And we have a rare word here. I'll pronounce it for you, hasias. And okay. Kind of ruins it, doesn't it? but that's the Greek term, hasihas. It's not hagioi, like we are identified as people of God who are given that position of holy. You see, there's a Greek word that refused to uh, human statutes that are kept and relationships in humans that are, that are holy. This isn't the word. There's a Greek word for holy that relates to purity, without being defiled by sin. This isn't that word. And there's a Greek word which denotes formal consecration. It would even apply to the priests that they have to be consecrated, sanctified, ready to be set aside and used for God's holy work. This isn't the word. This is a rare word that means this. It means that which is intrinsic or of divine character. It's just how he is. He isn't working on it. He isn't earning it. He isn't making some exterior preparations to be worthy of it. He is... Holy. He's simply in and of himself holy. And let me give you a couple of examples where we find this word used most past here, and it's not very many times, but it very interestingly and pointedly, and I think even cataclysmically, or could we say apocalyptically, revelations. The book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. In Revelation 15, verse 4, Listen, the declaration is made, Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are, here it is, holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Again in Revelation, the 16th chapter, and the 4th verse again, Then the third angel, or in the bowl judgments, then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. After this outpouring of wrath, this statement, and I heard the angel of the water saying, You are You might have righteous in your text, better holy. You are intrinsically, divinely, holy. Therefore, this outpouring of holy wrath is righteous. That's the word that's being used of Jesus in Hebrews. This is a word that was also used, the first sermon of Jesus quoting a psalm, and the psalm you know, but in Acts 2.27, this is quoted, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One, your Holy One to see corruption. Who fits this? What other high priest fits this? None. Only Jesus fits. Who are we looking for? We're looking for a high priest who is holy, and we're looking for a high priest who is harmless, a priest without guile or without fraud, free from guilt of any tie of any kind. Innocence is oftentimes used to describe this word that is and of. The high priesthood. The Greek term is really great because it's an onomatopoeic type of word. That means a word that sounds like what it is. In Greek, the word for bad is kakos. There it is. That's for free. I'm charging later. The word we have here isn't it's not kakas, it's a kakos with an a privative meaning no bad. There's no bad of any kind at all. He's completely innocent. 1 Peter 1 verse 18, the declaration, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things. So what is your salvation based on, Christian? By some fallible, some corruptible, some guilty person? No, you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But Peter says, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Agagas. Only Jesus fits such a high priest who is holy, such a high priest who is harmless, and we're looking... Who is undefiled, number three. Who is undefiled, not soiled, not deformed or debased, impaired by sin in any way. If we realize what sin is, we realize that sin is the greatest impairment to humankind. There is a reason why our bodies are failing, and it is singular, sin. There's a reason why some people look the way they do. It's sin, And it is in the new birth that you can even change the look of your face. Did you know that? And I'm not talking after glory. I'm talking before glory. The wise man Abraham Lincoln, I think I've used this quote before, said, Every single person is responsible for their own face after the age of 40. See, and that's right when you want to blame somebody. That isn't me. But how you live, how you work, how you grow, if there's goodness in your heart, if there's happiness in your heart, if there's God in your heart, and there's smiles on your face, your face looks like a smiling, open face. But if you're a face like someone who has just sucked on a persimmon or sucked on a tart lemon or something like that all the time, guess what? That's your own fault. But Jesus had none of that, never having been touched by this kind of an impairment or a defilement. He was a lamb without spot and blemish. Who fits this description? We are looking for this kind of high priest who is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. Separate from sinners. Now, let's not go too far on this. Get some of the Baptist five degrees of separation going. That's called sin, and your face will be affected by it. If you don't know what that is, good. For we do not even think of such things. Separate from sinners, not being some kind of separation, i.e. location, getting away from them as far as he could. For we know that's not the character of the ministry of Jesus Christ. He came and he ministered to sinners, for that was the accusation. John the Baptist came neither eating and drinking. And they said he had a devil. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they said, oh look, a wine-bibber and a friend of sinners. What is he doing at Zacchaeus' house? Doesn't he know he's a tax collector? No, Jesus was in, in the world, but not of the world. He walked in the world, he ministered in the world, but he did not become part of the world of sin. He ministered to sinners, yet he did not join them in their sin, but called them to repentance. He's separate from sinners who fits this description. Who is higher than the heavens, and this all comes to us as an... uh, a whole outcome of all of these things together if we read them in their order. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, comma, and has become higher than the heavens. Through all of that he has become higher than the heavens. He is the elevated one to the position and status that he deserves via the ascension. This is the kind of high priest a Christian needs. As psalm has said, you have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men. A messianic passage about Christ. But I take you back to our own context, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Who is this one who is higher than the heavens? the one who began high and has returned on high after he lived as a man. Hebrews 1, 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, listen, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of what? Majesty on high. What kind of high priest do you need? Are you leading yourself? Are you your own high priest? If you're acting as your own high priest and coming to God the Father, You're coming without the most important part of the coming. And I've noticed in our age, we've become rather flippant about the approach to God. And I think we've lost the book of Hebrews in the process. This is not an off-top book, these are deep waters. That's why the admonishment to grow up and learn is in this book, but it's in this book where it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's this book. And today we have Christians saying, oh, I can just call him Abba Father, and can you? Yes, by virtue of being in the family. But it seems to me that it's creating some sort of a flippancy, some sort of a a casualness that I can just run in and act however and do however and live however. And because I'm a son of Jesus, because I'm a son of God, he's got to let me do it. Well, good luck with that. And I do mean luck because that's all you have. That's not how you treat the living God. Are we trying to draw near appropriately, fittingly, respectfully? Even we know that the children shouldn't charge into the room of a dignitary without proper respect. Belay that. Maybe we don't anymore. And maybe that's why our society is the way it is. Maybe that's why church society is. You know, I'm really not that worried about society and how they are outside church. I'm worried about how society is in the church and if it's getting outside. What is our effect is based on who we follow into the presence of God. So God's oath has appointed a fitting high priest higher than the heavens. And he fittingly did so because This he did. I love how he says this for us. Helps us so much. This he did once for all when he offered up himself. It says he does not daily need as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. See, he fittingly ended Daily sacrifice. I'm going to say that again. Jesus fittingly ended the need for daily sacrifice under the Mosaic law. He ended it. He ended it. Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices? Listen, first for his own sins. For he doesn't have any. One of the biggest impediments to the ministry of the earthly high priests of the line of Levi, even the high priests of the house of Aaron, was that they sinned. And before they could help you, they had to help themselves. Before they could even help you approach God, they had to be cleaned up themselves. They had to offer sacrifices before God for themselves, but not this high priest. Even at the very beginning, let me just give you an example. I had so many more I would have liked to have done, but let me just highlight a little bit here in in Exodus. Exodus chapter 29. The establishment of the first high priests, Aaron and his sons, is being made. Moses is consecrating them before the Lord. And it says this farther down, chapter 29, verse 35. It says, Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all the law, all that I have commanded you. Seven days, listen, seven days you shall consecrate them. Not one day, not one hour, seven days in a row, they can't help anybody else. They're busy. Because they're tainted with sin. Seven days you shall consecrate them. That's a holiness term for making them ready to serve God. Verse 36, and you shall offer a bowl every day as a, listen, sin offering. This implies their guilt. They're guilty of sin. They need a sin offering for atonement, for the covering of their sin so that they can even minister before God. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it, and you shall anoint it and sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. This goes on and on throughout time. I pray your people of the Old Testament, I know many of you are, I've called on you. If you want to know your New Testament, you've got to know your Old Testament. And if you don't know your Old Testament, you'll never understand Hebrews. Every day in the temple, death. Every day in the temple, blood. On the feast days, more so, the continual sin offering the continual trespass offerings, the continual need for man to be made aware that he cannot approach God because his sin has made him unclean is only gloriously removed when you understand the outpouring of blood that was constant, that has now been ended by Jesus himself. He does not need a daily sacrifice for his own sin. He is the only worthy sacrifice. Jesus, the pure priest, does not need to sacrifice for himself. Jesus. God said to him by an oath, You are a priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. He fits in. Jesus. Jesus fits in to the position of high priest for he's sinless. And then he fittingly covered sin once for all. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Nowhere In no way would any Levitical priest ever thought of offering for himself. Never, never, never. Jesus offered himself. There's some interpretive issues that come here. What is the once for all and how does it apply? I want to say something very clearly. This text is not teaching about election. There are others that clearly do so. This text is not teaching about free will. There's other texts that do so. This text is teaching that this once-for-all sacrifice is available to all... Without any distinction. In this sense. The sense that's already been identified in our context. When you interpret context is king. How do I know I'm the all he sacrificed for? We find it in our text. Chapter 5 of Hebrews. We've already studied it. We know it but we may have forgotten it when we asked what does all mean? Let me clarify it for you by reading. Hebrews 5:7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Now pay attention here. Though he, Jesus, was a son... Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected through his sufferings, he became the author of eternal salvation to all. Does it end there? To all who what? Obey him. He became the author, the leader. It's our same word that we had for captain before. The one who goes before and sets it up to all who obey him. How do you get eternal life? Obey Jesus. What are you obeying? His command, believe on me and follow me. He's the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The all then are all who obey him. What do we do with this if we want to fit in? I thought, Pastor, you were going to give me a free pass here. I didn't have to do anything. This will be easy. Well, it is easy in its simplicity. It is difficult as it addresses our humanity and our pride. We need a high priest. None other is fitting when we come to God. And how do we know we can come to God? Can I have confidence that in this new year I can, I can come to God? And that He will accept me? And that will He approve of me? Is there any, any restriction? What if, I, what if I don't obey everything all the time? Well listen. Listen to this. Hebrews 2, we read this already. I'm going to take you through the rest of it. Hebrews 2, 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies, listen, and those who are being sanctified, that's us, are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them, listen, brethren. So the one sanctifying the Christian and the Christian being sanctified by God, being set aside for God's purposes are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Why do I constantly call you brothers and sisters? It's because I saw it on a movie somewhere and it really sounded cool. And like that means we're in the club. No. I do it for me and I do it for you by way of reminder. That this is not some club. And you're not in it because you chose to be. You're in it because God chose you. You're in the family of God. And God is even here calling you through Christ a brother. Brought many sons to glory. You're in the family called brothers by God himself verse 12, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. Jesus declared God the Father to his brothers, and his brothers heard him. In the midst of the assembly, it goes on, I will sing praise to you, and again, Quoting the Old Testament again, I will put my trust in him. And again, this from the mouth of Jesus as he stands before God, how can you say this year I can go to God? For Jesus has said this before God, before you get there, though you are behind him. He has to be there before you. And you are behind him. He says, here am I. Jesus says to God, here am I and the children whom God has given me. You're in the family of God, and it is fitting that you have a high priest that goes before you to God because he placed you in his own family, and he represents you to his father. You are a child of God. You're a brother of Christ. You're a son destined for glory because you have a fitting high priest. didn't we already know this this high priest who intercedes who did so before he even left the earth when he prayed to god in this way i pray for them i do not pray for the world but for those whom you have given me for they are yours And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. One! And now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one. As we are. Christian, you go to God through Christ, the great high priest. He's the only fitting way. Anything less is unseemly. It just isn't right. But with him we can say, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain." Cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus. Brothers. Sisters. And we remind ourselves of that family relation. Joint heirs with Jesus. As we travel, travel this sod. I like that line. I'm so glad I'm a part. Of the family of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the people who stayed to listen. There's so much so much packed into this, Lord. I fear my inadequacies at bringing it to your people, so I beg your help in their understanding and their clarity. Provide assurance through our great high priest of the order of Melchizedek, O Lord God, Whom you established by your oath. You are a high priest. According to the order of Melchizedek. That we therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we might find mercy. And grace. In time of need. With. A fitting. High priest.